Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. To quote the great John Oliver, wrestling is better than the things that you like. And it is never evident than when it is so damn good. Like what we saw last night in Los Angeles, Tony Khan went all out for his big L.A. debut last night. And Sid, I'm a, tell me, tell the fine folks here on Believe in Pro Wrestling what you told me in our pre-show meeting just seconds ago. That might have been one of the greatest or the best. I will say the best. I will go out on a limb and say it might, that was, might have, I'll scope might have been, might have been the best. <laughs> I won't do recency bias too much. Go, but go, might have, going, going bold here with the, uh, with the, with the walkbacks already, but go ahead. I'm, I'm going for it. It was the best post pay-per-view episode of a wrestling show that I've seen ever. That is up there with any great Raw after WrestleMania. That is up there with the Green Nitros of back in the day in like 97. It had that type of vibe to it. It had like 97 Nitro meets your favorite Raw after WrestleMania. That LA crowd was tremendous. The new set looked beautiful. The yeah. the, the form in Los Angeles, there was just this vibe the entire night and they just hit home run after home run and then one specific segment was a goddamn grand slam and had my mind spinning for at least the next hour and a half after until the show ended till right now my mind is still spinning thinking about what we experienced in the only the second segment of the damn night i know this this was and it was in the between Hiroshi Tadahashi, the new Japan pro wrestling ace coming out and accepting the challenge of CM Punk for Forbidden Door and the return of God's favorite champion, the Redeemer Miro. My Lord, by far, that was the best first hour of AEW Dynamite that I ever seen. And then overall, it's most likely like a top five, top three episode of Dynamite ever. Like. An episode this good should not have peaked a half hour in, but it did just because of how great that segment was. And I think the placement of it was absolutely perfect. You had to open up the show with CM Punk. I think that was the right move to make. Uh, And yes, you get Hiroshi Tanahashi coming out there to accept the open challenge for forbidden door so we got our first matchup that is set uh there aew versus new japan pro wrestling and i'll let you expound upon that matchup coming up here when we get into the five count because i know you're very very excited about that that was one of the guys that you were hoping that cm punk might be facing and that uh is now going to be the case lots to get to we've alluded about the mjf segment obviously we're going to spend a large chunk of time on that william regal said the thing He said the thing that he could kind of say. We all knew what he wanted to say, but he got to say the thing. But more importantly, Chris Jericho uh, might be uh, beating father time to the punch, and he might be going bald. We'll talk about that. You said Miro returned. Yes, he is back. But where does God's favorite champion fit now in the landscape of AEW? Because it has been quite some time since he has uh, shown up. 
the losses are starting to pile up here for uh uh well not pile up but they 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 took a surprising loss last night in Jurassic Express Jungle Boy getting pinned to that big 10 man matchup I keep saying that their title run is coming to an end sooner rather than later but they keep surprising me and they keep keeping the titles on them but the tag team division is so damn stacked it's like throw a dart pick a team and you can't go wrong with who will take those belts off of them but we'll try to fit uh we'll try to determine what should be the right team to do that and uh a, a name from the past, a blast from the past. It started tweeting again and got the wrestling world buzzing. We'll dive into all of that. But first things first, got to thank our partners over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, news, developments for NBA playoffs. The finals, I believe, start tonight. Yes, SP3, they start tonight. I got that right. Yeah. Indeed. Major League Baseball fights, NFL futures. It's all there. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Real easy to get started, folks. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up. Use our promo code believe to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I said 50%. That is B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. We do appreciate you guys joining us here in our regular time slot on Thursdays uh, every day or every Thursday, 7 a.m. Uh, we are typically here Monday through Thursday. Uh, yesterday, internet went down halfway through NXT. Uh, could not get it back up and running until after I got home from my shoot job uh, yesterday. So Jeremy Bennett and I could not do the post-NXT show. We're going to try to make it up to you later on in the week. We got a lot coming up this week. I'm going to have an interview with Damian Priest. All rise. Uh, dropping here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel on Friday. Also on Friday is going to be our huge for this massive card coming up on sunday hell in a cell preview show with connor casey of comicbook.com hell we we just talk about the mcu hell we had an mcu sighting on dynamite last night for crying out loud was worth strickland backstage so that was a little fun uh so we gotta got we're gonna have that dropping on friday oh by the way i also write for cage side seats i got something special dropping next week Shall I say I have something awesome dropping uh, next week ahead of Ms. and Mrs. Season 3, so you want to check out uh, my work over on Cage Side Seats as well. Lots to come up here, uh, but we got to dive into this SP3. MJF got an open microphone last night, and you knew it was going to be good. Whether it was working, whether it was shooting, whether it was working ourselves into a shoot or any other imaginary, whatever it could be. We knew it was going to be good. And it did not disappoint. Like the official AEW Twitter page put this out that MJF was going to was going to speak. Not a whole not a huge description. No, not just here's a graphic. MJF is going to speak. I had to check four or five times to make sure that that was the verified AEW account that tweeted that out to make sure that I saw what I had saw because I was not expecting MJF last night. Uh, there were reported meetings and sit downs that were supposed to be happening or possibly happening with MJF and Tony Khan and all of their issues that have been well documented and well reported by Sean Rossap and others uh, that we have talked about ad nauseum over the past week. This is uh, quickly turned into the news. Sasha Banks and Naomi. This is what the professional wrestling world is focusing on now. Love when I got stuff to talk about. So they gave MJF an open microphone, which I would assume I would assume meant that sit downs with Tony Khan went well. I don't care if it's a work. I don't care if it's a shoot. I don't care if they, whatever. I don't care if it was real and now they're turning it into a program because the wrestling world is is buzzing about it. 
they let MJF go out there and air his grievances. Very CM Punk pipe bomb esque. And dare I say, I'll be bold. This was better than CM Punk's pipe bomb. I will say it flat out. And I don't think that that's recency bias. I just think it was better. Both were fantastic. I think this one was better because they let MJF go all the way to the line and a hundred yards past it. They just let him go and he buried everyone. He buried TK. He buried the AEW company. He buried all the ex WWE guys that he says could not lace up his damn boots. He begged Tony Khan to fire him on the air and then called him a fucking mark. And that is when they cut the feed from MJS microphone. And to their credit, they did not address it at all at that point afterwards. They didn't. They, they immediately pulled the WWE. They came back from commercial break and they said, here's what you guys missed 10 minutes ago. It was CM Punk and FTR and, and Hiroshi Tanahashi came down and totally just ignored it. Went full WWE sports entertainment with that segment there. They made it feel so real. They made it feel so personal. And MJF, his line about how he's expected to go out there and hit grand slams every week, and he does. He did it again. Is it possible to score five runs on one hit? Because he did it last night. He doesn't chase five-star ratings and matches. But damn it, if there's a five-star rating for a promo, he got six and a half in my book last night. That was spectacular. I was captivated. I, he had me eating out of the palm of his hand. I wanted more. Don't stop. I could have watched that for an hour last night. It was gold. I had buddies of mine who text me, right, because they think, like, I'm in the know and, like, I know stuff. And they're texting me, like, what the hell is going on? All I could text back was fucking gold. That, just enjoy it. Who cares if it's real or not? Just enjoy it, right? That was so damn good last night. That was one of the best promos you will ever witness because the best promos in professional wrestling come from a very real place, whether it's Mick Foley's Kane Dewey or Ric Flair uh, talking to Eric Bischoff after he returned in 1998 or the CM Punk pipe bomb. There is some truth to all of those promos, and that's why years later, whether it's a decade later, two decades later, three decades later, you remember all those ones. Even someone like, you know, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and Hard Times, a lot of that was his truth, was his story that he got to say on screen. And this was MJF's pipe bomb. This was MJF's Hard Times. This was MJF's Kane Dewey. This just had it all. The the references to the company being all friends wrestling. Yeah. Uh, he says, I created moment after moment for this company, but I still don't get no respect. Everything he touches turns to gold. And he, his line was, he's not expected to hit home runs. He's expected to hit grand slams, and he does it every single time. He's the only guy capable of carrying this company on his back. And then, you know, that's when the smattering of the, he got a, a nuclear like heat when he came out. Yeah. 
But then when he's when he's getting into the flow of this promo, you start hearing a couple of cheers. You start hearing people clapping, and he's like, he finds it interesting. He hears blues, but he also hears clapping, and he calls out the boys in the back. He says that won his spot. He says you can have it. <laughs> he doesn't want to be here anymore. He calls the fans marks who don't know shit. He says your opinions suck. Your opinions change at the drop of a hat. He's like he's not like he's not like everybody else who wants to drop on their head or chase five star ratings he makes he's different from everybody else because he makes you feel that was yes. great that was just a great yes. line he says he's the, best. Yes. he's the best in the world because he's the one who makes them feel and unlike the boys in the back he doesn't have to do stupid shit to do it mgf yeah. He says he calls out the big man in the back. He says he's the best minute to minute draw. And he was like, why don't you go ask the stat, Mr. Stat Tony, who's the, who's the guy, but don't ask that Tony to pay him because he's too busy paying all the ex WWE, all of his money. And that's when the crowd just all the booze went away. They started cheering. The biggest reaction that he got is when he kept mentioning WWE. And I think that he was only going to mention it once, but he kept mentioning it because he he heard that reaction. And he was like, would you pay me better if I was an ex-WWE guy? And that got the ooze, got that got the ahs. And then he says, TK should be standing behind the guardrail with the rest of them because he's a fucking mark. <laughs> Fire me. Fire me, you fucking mark and yeah cut to black like i literally because i do the review over on the true hill heat youtube channel i had to drop down a couple of those lines but even if i didn't have to do a review i probably would have wrote down this promo because this promo is going to be talked about for days after for weeks after and i think we're going to be talking about this promo like all the previous ones i did a list for a certain website a redacted website if you will and i listed the greatest mjf promos and at that time i thought it was his promo his origin story his cerebral his uh syndrome story of how he became mjf based on cm punk two weeks before they versed the dog collar match this exceeded that this is now the number one mjf promo of all time and this guy 26 years old back up the brinch truck this guy needs to get paid more than cm punk he needs to get paid more than brian danielson because he's gonna be here for a decade while all those other guys will be retired by then and you know wwe is watching and they're gonna back up the brinch truck so tony do what you need to do and make him the highest paid guy because he deserves it. I'm I'm trying to think of a a the best comparison here, right? Um that would be like basically what Tony Khan has done, right? Is he has decided to sign Joey Votto, like future Hall of Famer first baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. If anybody knows, it's like he has decided to pay a huge money contract to Joey Votto and pay him to be the anchor of his team at an advanced age when he's not as good as he used to be instead of signing Mike Trout to a big 10 year contract. Like that would be if an MLB owner decided to do that, you would question their sanity. And that is basically what has, has happened here where Tony Khan has put a lot of money 
into older vets. And I know it's not the same as baseball. And I'm just trying to come up with something off the top of my head. Maybe you'd have a better NBA analogy for the NBA fans out there. Um, but I mean, I mean, it would be like signing LeBron to like a huge max deal instead of, I don't know who the, who the hell the next young star in the NBA of is. Luka Dantage. Yeah, exactly. Like who would you rather have for the next five years? Luka Dantage or, or LeBron James, if you're going to be paying a max contract to him, you probably want Luka, right? Cause LeBron ain't as good as he used to be. That is probably the best analogy that I could come up with is the fact that he's paying, yes, Daniel Bryan and, and John Moxley and, and CM Punk and all these old Christian. I mean, we, we're getting reports that these guys like Christian and a lot of these ex-WWE guys are getting four or five times more than what MJF is getting right now. I'd be pissed off, too. I would be fucking furious if I was him and these guys were coming in. I mean, I love Christian to death. I thought it was a great visual of him standing next to the Hardys last night. And I'm sitting here going, I, you know, nostalgia, right? Like young 10 year old Rick is like, oh, this just feels right. This is fucking awesome. This is great. If I was running a wrestling company, though. I wouldn't be paying Christian more money than I'm paying MJF. That's just investing in the future. You got a bright future, but you got to keep the young guys happy. And MJF, to his credit, is a great businessman and he knows how to work. And that's the best thing about this promo, SB3, is point out the lie. Point out literally any lie that MJF said last night. I'll wait. Because there ain't one. He spoke the truth, and that's why the audience cheered him. That's why the audience clapped. AEW is a smart, he can call him fucking Marks all he wants. Boy, I got to make sure I hit the uh, uh, explicit uh, language button today. Uh, he could call him Marks all they want say their opinions suck and they don't know what they're talking about the aew crowd is a hardcore wrestling crowd they are smarter than a wwe crowd that i don't think i'm making a bold claim there because those again are your hardcore p1 wrestling fans they know they know how valuable mjf is they know how good he is they hate him so much they love to hate him and they don't want him to go to WWE. WWE is sitting there hoping that this is a shoot and that Tony Khan does fire MJF so they can back up the Brinks truck themselves and pay MJF a load of money to come over to the E and, and square off with the likes of the Miz and, and Cody Rhodes and this, that, and the other thing and all these guys that they got over there. They would love to be able to add MJF to that locker room or so the reports would have you believe or so common sense would have you to believe. But that is what made it so good last night is that everything that he said was 100% accurate. I don't know about the ex-WWE guys lacing up their boots. I think there's a lot of very talented ex-WWE guys, and I don't want to sit here and have people listen to this episode and go, oh, well, he's crapping on Christian and the Hardys and this, that, and the other thing. I'm just saying, no, I think they're all very talented, and they all obviously bring something to the table. But if I'm looking at a value system of who's in my locker room, if I'm Tony Khan, I would be value. Uh, I would be valuing MJF a lot more than some a lot of the guys in that AEW locker room. And right now, he's just not. And I think that's a mistake. Like we we had this question when the conversation first started. Uh, when I was here with Josh and Romeo from True Hill Heat, is should MJF be in the top five paid guys in AEW? And you know, I listed guys like you know CM Punk. I think CM Punk should get paid more than MJF because he's had that star power. That's one. You know, Brian Danielson, John Moxley. 
uh, Chris Jericho only because of his tenure and what he's meant to AEW. And I, I'd probably named one or two more guys, and I can't name them anymore. Those are the four. Those are the only four that I think should be getting maybe a little bit more than MJF. Not four to five times no more. When we hear these reports from Wade Color, PW Insider, and he's saying that Mark Henry gets paid more than MJF. Mark Henry that hasn't even had a damn match for this company. Malachi Black, who they they inconsistently use on their television. Like, no, none of these guys. I, I love that, Malachi Black. He should not be getting paid more than MJF. N- no, no. It's just it's just a, a bold fact. And now it's just really up to, is Tony God willing to pay him? And is Max willing to sit down with him? Or does he, Is you know, it, it's, it's crazy how this story has transpired. But I love that they are just letting it go onto the screen. That it caused so much buzz going into Double or Nothing, coming out of Double or Nothing. And now we're going to see something on the screen. And I just put out the tweet after the promo. I was like, this was amazing. But even more than it, just one promo being amazing, it's what's next. What's next is what really gets me excited about this whole entire thing that we experienced on this episode of Dynamite. Yeah, because, I mean, I think if if you had to ask me, is this more of a work or more than a shoot? I would say that this was a shoot that turned into a work. I think Tony Khan is smart enough to know the the value of a good segment and know what has people talking. MJF dominated the headlines. This was a great pay-per-view, a stacked card, double or nothing, huge event in Las Vegas. MJF dominated the headlines over the weekend, and he was smart enough to know that. And he was smart enough to sit down with him. I don't they may have worked out a new deal, who the hell knows, and maybe they ultimately will work out a new deal. And you know, I I think if I'm if I'm Tony Khan, right? I would hope that he would realize that he needs to come up with a new deal and he needs to find a way to, uh, to, to pay this man before he brings in anybody else. I mean, hell, he just brought in three extra people this week. He just hired three new people this week, all talented people. I think, you know, Stokely Hathaway and Athena are slam dunks. Yeah, absolutely. You need to get them under contract, but there is something to be said for, for taking care of your, your guys first. And I know MJF has signed a contract. Right. And he signed an extension. So, you know, if MJF is not happy with with that, he's got to be kicking himself here a little bit, too. And he's part of the reason to blame because he is the one who signed both of those deals at the time. But then again, Tony Khan starts bringing in these these WWE guys, these ex WWE guys, and they're getting paid four or five times the amount as he does. This is why everybody in every profession should be talking openly about how much they make so you can hold that information to your boss's feet hold the flames to your boss's feet because people are getting screwed over all across this damn company it has happened to me i will not go into details about it but i have found out that there have been multiple people that i have trained that have been brought in that have gotten paid more than i have at other companies and when i found out that information i took that to management and all of a sudden i was able to get some more money finally like I have been there. I side with MJF on this one wholeheartedly. The only difference between the two of us is, one, he's infinitely more talented. He makes way more money than I do, and he's got a contract to deal with. So there's a lot of differences, but still, that contract, that is the sticking point. 
but that doesn't mean that MJF can't ask for more money, can't ask for a massive extension and, you know, be absolutely 100% worth every single penny. But Tony Khan is smart enough to go, all right, how can we come to some kind of an agreement here to keep you on television, keep you working? Because I don't want to fire you. I don't want to suspend you. I don't want to send you home. That's not advantageous for either one of us. So how can we work out something here? And you brought up something off air that I'm going to allow you to, to expound upon here. CM Punk, right? You talk, we, a lot of similarities between these two, a lot of symmetry between these two. Talk about this one and the pipe bomb. Summer of Punk, right? They got something they could do very, very similar here with MJF. Because this is something that I've said for them to do ever since it seemed like CM Punk was going to win at double or nothing against Hangman Adam Page. And now you have Punk as the champion. You got MJF with this, you know, war against the company, basically war against Tony Khan, wanting to get fired. If he realizes he can't be fired, what's the next best thing that he can do to stick it to Tony Khan? He can win the AEW World Championship and hold the company hostage. And it creates a whole scenario that is very reminiscent of 2011 CM Punk. I said that this promo was was parts 2011 CM part CM Punk parts 1996 Brian Pillman, and they can have an opportunity to make MJF play the role of CM Punk and CM Punk play the role of John Cena. So we've come full circle 11 years later, and it will be in CM Punk's hometown in at All Out, All Out 2022. MJF said in his promo after Revolution, he said it's not over between him and CM Punk. And he says the next time he faces CM Punk, he will not only beat him, he will give him the most embarrassing loss of his career. And I thought it would be simple that he would beat him at All Out, which will make CM Punk the shortest reigning AEW world champion in history. It would also make MJF 3-0 against CM Punk in his hometown. Yeah. that now add the cherry on top of this whole Sunday of beautiful cemetery and beautiful storytelling. MJF will hold the company that brought CM Punk's love for professional wrestling back hostage as he holds the AEW World Championship and still wants to be fired so he can bring that title to the company CM Punk hates WWE. I was going to say the only thing that can make that better is if he, if this the night after double or nothing, he shows up at, or excuse me, all out the night after all out in Chicago is he shows up on Monday night raw and chucks the AEW title in a trash can. Like that's the only thing that makes that scenario even better, which would never happen because that would be a massive breach of contract. You don't even need to do all of that. And you know, WWE is not going to work with you. All they really need to do is the next, the next night on, uh, when, when it's dynamite that Wednesday following have MJF cut a promo in front of WWE headquarters. He doesn't show up the entire night. And then at the end of the night, we see him cutting a promo outside and then it pans out and he's standing in front of WWE headquarters. It would be very interesting to see if WWE would respond 
to that. I don't know if Tony Khan would put WWE's logo on his no, television. Just make it blurry. He can make it blurry. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's simple. That's simple. People will know. With the like you said, the the, the AEW fans are smart fans. They are smart fans and they cater to the smart fans. All he needs to do is have a blurry WWE logo or blurry. He could be outside the performance center. Just make it blurry, but people will know because their fans are that smart. This is the best story, angle, real life beef. I don't care what it is. It's great. And I can't wait to see the next chapter. I can't wait to see the next report. Honestly, I hope, I hope that if some kind of agreement has been reached between Tony Khan and MJF, it doesn't get leaked. Like, I hope this information does not find its way to Sean Ross app or Wade Keller or Dave Meltzer or anybody. Please. This is too damn good. Let the lines continue to be blurred for the rest of the damn summer because it's going to get better and better every single week. Appreciate you guys joining us here today. We're going to kind of run through our five count here and try to wrap up here as quickly as possible because it is getting late on a uh, on a Wednesday night when we record this. A lot of time devoted to MJF uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, But first things first, while you are here, please make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Make sure to hammer that subscribe button. Help grow our audience. We're getting bigger and bigger every month. We picked up a ton of subscribers this week alone. just based off my announcement of my Damian Priest interview, which, again, will be dropping on Friday. Our Hell in a Cell prediction show is going to be dropping on Friday, and I think myself and Jeremy Bennett are going to be doing an in-your-house prediction show on Saturday. So much coming up. Our Hell in a Cell review show is going to be on Monday, 2.15 live. we got a whole lot here on Believe in Pro Wrestling, so there's reasons to subscribe. So please do it while you're here. Thank you so very, very much. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. For those who are new to the show, SP3 is the New Japan Pro Wrestling man on uh, this show. Uh, There's uh, a myriad of reasons why I tapped him to be my tag team partner. One is because this man watches literally everything, including all of the stuff that I and my shoot job do not have time to do. Uh, So that would include New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm not against it. I just don't have the time to do it. So when Hiroshi Tanahashi shows up and answers CM Punk's open challenge for Forbidden Door, I knew who this man was. I haven't had a whole lot of time to watch him work. But I know how big of a deal this is. SP3, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for this matchup at Forbidden Door at the end of the month? I think um, I'm not yet at a 10. I'll be modest, and I'll say I'm at an 8.5 because there is only probably one other or two other guys that CM Punk mentioned that I'm – that I would say would probably give CM Punk an even better match than Hiroshi Tadahashi would give him, and that's Kazuka Okada and Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay at the moment, he's dealing with a kidney infection, so I kind of understand why they didn't go that route, even though that would have made sense based on Punk teaming up with FTR, and last week uh, Will Ospreay is the leader of United Empire. Last week we had Jeff Cobb and Great Okan attack FTR, so I thought that was the route they were going, but Hiroshi Tanahashi is the savior of New Japan Pro Wrestling. There probably isn't a more important star that New Japan Pro Wrestling has than Hiroshi Tanahashi. When this company was struggling, when it was in the doldrums, he basically put it on his back and raised it up. He was the ace that kind of 
kept everything together. He's had drawn comparisons so many people to being called New Japan Pro Wrestling and Japanese wrestling in general. There, John Cena. That's the, that's the guy. He's the white meat baby face. He's the good guy that all the fans get behind, and he helped the company get from the doldrums and get to where it is today. And his feud with Kazuko Okada is one of the greatest feuds in professional wrestling history. Jim Ross himself, a man that saw every single Rock versus Stone Cold matchup, he said that the only rivalry that matches up with that is Tadahashi and Okada. And Tadahashi, he's a perfect opponent for CM Punk is because he's a psychology genius. He's the expert on making everything in his match matter. He, whether it's a dragon screw, whether it's when he hits the sling blade, when he hits, you know, certain moves, when he goes for the high fly flow, how he builds up for the high fly flow, how he builds up for the Texas clover leaf. All his moves matter and it tells a complete story. And being in the ring with CM Punk, who has kind of, you know, adapted into more of a psychology base than what he was previously. He's very, you know, about story driven matches. And you saw that on Sunday at Double or Nothing with his matchup with Hangman Adam Page. That was a tremendous story driven type of matchup. And I think you're going to get that again with Tadahashi. So I think it's an 8.5 for now, depending on what they do over the next three to four weeks building up to Forbidden Door. I might be raised up to a 10, but I was very excited that Tadahashi was the guy chosen to verse CM Punk in Chicago. I would have lost a bet on something. I was just doing some research while you were while you were talking there. Tanahashi is two years older than CM Punk. I would have lost that bet because this man came out and I'm like, who's this young dude? <laughs> He's 45 years old. I'm like. Good genes. Great genes. Great care of himself. Has been in the ring with the great Muda. He's been in the ring with, with Chono. He's been in the ring with all the Japanese greats. He is, and he's actually the man who defeated Kenny Omega and ended his IWGP Heavyweight Championship uh, reign back at Wrestle Kingdom in 2019. So I think that this is a great opponent for CM Punk to be in there with. And it's someone that Punk wanted to work with. And he's the type of guy that will highlight Punk's strengths as a performer at his his age right now 43 years old and he will hide his weaknesses i think this is a great choice because like i said you know osprey wasn't an option due to his kidney affection at the time i don't know if he's going to be ready for forbidden door or not because yuko okada is currently the iwgp world heavyweight champion and i saw all the people being like you don't want okada versus punk you are literally asking for a non-finish you are not going to have the two world champions go into a match and you think you, you think Gato's going to be like, yeah, just beat my world champion. Or you think you think Tony Khan's going to be that's, like, just beat my world champion. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any the, sense. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, that's that's the most intriguing part of this is how are they going to split this up? How are the negotiations going to, going to go? Because you would expect that CM Punk, AEW world champion on an AEW show, would win this match you know his 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 momentum has been spectacular he's only lost a, a couple of matches uh in in aew fresh new world champion Tony Khan ain't gonna want him to lose and that's gonna be the very interesting part is however many of these aew versus new japan matches we have how do they split it up 
who wins, who loses. I would love to be a fly on the wall uh, for those negotiations because that in and of itself is, is the difficult part about putting on a show like this. I have been a part of indie shows with AEW talent there. And as long as they're on television, right? And if this, this event, indie event, whatever it is, if it's getting broadcasted, AEW does not want their talent losing. Like that, that has been a policy at indie events across the country. If they're on TV, if it's being broadcast on YouTube for 45 people, Tony Khan does not want his talent to lose. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this show is booked uh, at the end of the month and which, which matches are we going to be getting uh, at that, uh, at that pay-per-view as well. William Regal did what everybody wanted him to do. We all knew he was saying war games. But what he really said was blood and guts. We all saw this coming. But what I did not see coming was a hair versus hair match for Chris Jericho. Is he about to go bald? Will he be bald heading into this blood and guts match, SP3? I mean, to be fair, Chris Jericho is already going bald. Right? In a lot of different ways. Chrissy Love over on True Hill, he said this on True Hill. He last week, she was like, Chris Jericho, as she could tell, is going balding. And then this very next week, we get Ortiz chopping off his hair and setting up, uh, you know, hair versus hair with Ortiz. I think that Jericho will most likely win this. And Ortiz, unfortunately, will be the one who gets his hair shaved uh, because, you know, this is about getting more heat on the Jericho Appreciation Society before they are going to properly lose in blood and guts. So I can see Jericho winning at Ward, at Road Rager, chopping off the hair of Ortiz, getting that much more heat just two weeks before um, blood and guts. But man, next couple of weeks of AEW, like we just came off of uh, one of the, the, like I said, at the beginning of the show, the best post-pay-per-view episode of their television that they've ever done. And next week, we got Hangman Adam Page versus David Finley in a Forbidden Door preview. We we got Road Rager with the hair versus hair match. Then you got the go-home show to Forbidden Door. And then right after Forbidden Door, you get Bloody Guts. It's like yeah. the, the hits don't stop. This next month of AEW television is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and if the the main event that we saw last night between John Moxley and Daniel Garcia is any indication of what that match is going to be, hell, if a stadium anarchy or anarchy in the arena, whatever the hell you want to call it, is any indication of what, how the hell can you get more blood and guts e than what we saw this past Sunday? John Moxley at the end of the night said he wanted in. Hell, my God! First off, can we just talk about that that fucking suplex on the steel ring steps that Daniel Garcia just ate? I mean, seriously, my face was stuck in like this position for like five minutes after that happened. It was gruesome. And God bless that young man for taking that bump for us on a on a on a random Wednesday in June, the first Wednesday in June on a post pay-per-view show. Uh, But yeah, great main event last night. I'm loving all of this. I honestly would not be surprised if Chris Jericho did lose this match and, and did end up uh, losing his hair. I mean, he's cut his hair before. And as Chrissy Love pointed out, there were parts in that uh, a- a- anarchy in the arena match. It's not easy to say. The anarchy in the arena match where you could tell he's it's not a knock on him, right? Father Time catches up with us all, but it, the, he kind of had the, the, the Shawn Michaels, you know, aging Shawn Michaels hair there a little bit where 
yeah, he's he's doing the long hair version of the comb over to, to hide everything. So, I mean, maybe he's just going to embrace it like Sean did when he went into his producer role. He shaved off that head, started wearing hats and whatnot. Maybe that's something that Jericho will do as he evolves into this. I will say, though, bald head is not very wizard-esque. So it'd be very difficult to call yourself a wizard unless he's just going to wear a big pointy hat while he's bald. There's options that they could go there, but I would not be surprised if Jericho uh, loses this match. But yeah, I, I think it, it. I'm leaning more towards Ortiz, but it's it's very very close. Um, any other day of the week, I would have led with this man making his triumphant return to AEW, but he finds himself uh, at fourth uh, on the pecking order as far as the show rundown is concerned, and third here uh, on the the five count here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Miro returns, God's favorite champion, the Redeemer. He beats Johnny Elite last night. Good match, whatever. The fact is that he's back. He could have been wrestling Johnny Jobber for all I care. I've been wanting this man back on my TV screen for a long time. He is finally here. He's finally healthy. If he was dealing with ailments, if he was working on movies or TV shows, I know he's got a pilot coming out, I believe, on NBC that he's part of. Um, so obviously things are going well for him, both professionally and at home. As JR said, he married well. So the guy's living his best life. <laughs> the guy's living his best life. But now he's back in AEW. But a lot has changed since the last time that we saw Miro on AEW television. Where does he kind of fit in in this landscape now, SP3? Oh, he needs to be uh, fit in at close to the top, whether it's going back after his championship, the TNT title, whether it's, you know, a couple of the names that he mentioned. He mentioned, you know, AEW has their punks. They got their cowboys. And I feel like he's a perfect option to give Hangman Adam Page a very intriguing feud coming out of his AEW World Championship reign and I I said that that was going to be a feud for Hangman Adam Page after he won the title at full gear and I had Miro defeating Brian Danielson to win the world title eliminator I didn't know about his injuries at the time but I got robbed of not having that match for the AEW World Championship but I wouldn't mind it being a feud coming out of this I think that Hangman Adam page will have his um his card booked for full, uh, Forbidden Door. And if you want to get Miro in on the Forbidden Door, I got the perfect opponent for him. Tomohiro Ishii versus Miro. Give me that all day on a Sunday and twice on a Wednesday. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's going to be two beefy men. Big, meaty men slapping meat. Bumping at meat. You want your five-star matches? You want you you want all that? I want Miro and Ishii. You want to talk about big meaty men bumping meat? You can talk about Ishii all you want. I'm looking at Miro, and I'm looking at Samoa Joe, and I'm going, give me that six days a week and twice on Sunday. That's what I want to see. I want to see those two fighting over the Ring of Honor television championship as a start. As a start, I know everybody is sitting here saying that, you know, oh, he needs to be back and, and win back, you know, his TNT championship. And I'm like, can we just get Scorpio Sky a long run with that damn thing? All right, let him keep Genie for a very, very long time. I want this to be the start of building Miro, as you said, back near the top. All right. I think he's bigger and better than the TNT championship. No disrespect to anybody who's in that division or anybody else on that card. When MJF is talking about ex-WWE guys that can't lace his boots, 
I don't think Miro is one of those guys that he's talking about. Miro can talk. Miro can walk the walk. He can go in the ring. He is scary. He is legitimate. He's got everything you want as a main event level guy. So if you want to talk about MJF beating CM Punk for the AEW World Championship, Miro should be the guy as a big baby face who beats MJF if it ain't Wardlow for that AEW World Championship, whether it's this year or next year. He should be in line soon. But the beautiful thing about AEW is, unlike WWE, when we say they need to start building him up now, I think AEW will start building up Miro now. And I think he's going to go on a lengthy, lengthy winning streak. And I think he's going to fit in just fine. I think Tony Khan has got big plans for him. And I am very, very excited. One day he will be the ultimate champion in AEW. I will guarantee that. Mark it down. June the 2nd, 2022. I am saying that Miro will win the AEW World Championship maybe sometime in 2023. That's where he needs to fit in. I think that's best where he fits in. Look, the AEW Tag Team Championship division is just absolutely on on fire. I'm I'm a little surprised. I'm still very surprised, actually, that Jurassic Express is still the champions. I I thought it was signed, sealed, and delivered that we would kind of see some kind of payoff with Christian and Jungle Boy, and you know we'd have Swerve and Keith Lee or Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs winning the Tag Team Championships on Sunday. That did not happen. Jungle Boy did lose. Last night, getting pinned by the Young Bucks, so now all of a sudden the Young Bucks are back in the title picture, but you got the Hardys who beat the Young Bucks. Jeff's a little banged up right now. Hopefully he can recover quickly and they can get back into it, but you got Blackpool Combat Club who could be right around the corner once Blood and Guts are done. You have uh, a very interesting team in Hookhausen who is everybody's favorite tag team right now. They could be a fun little team there, but you got the acclaim. There's so many teams that you could go with in this division who could dethrone Jurassic Express and set up the inevitable Jungle Boy's solo run, his feud with Christian, whatever's going to, whoever's going to turn on who here, Jungle Boy's got a bright future ahead as a singles competitor. And I think that's going to get started as soon as their tag team title reign ends, which again, I still think is going to be sooner rather than later. If, if, if all out Chicago is rolling around and these guys are still the tag team champions, I will genuinely be shocked. I think it's coming to an end sooner rather than later. So you can pick one team in the division, SP3. If you're booking it, who's taking the belts off Jurassic Express? I've said this since about their April 7th, 2022 episode after they had the greatest week I've ever seen a tag team have. And it's still FTR. FTR, they've cooled down just a bit over the last couple of weeks, but FTR becoming the triple crown tag team champions is an angle that just writes itself for me. Like, I that's what I want to see. So, if I had to pick one team, it would be FTR. And I, I don't think there's anything that will stop me from thinking that, but I wouldn't mind it being the Young Bucks. And then getting FTR versus the Young Bucks 3 for for FTR to get back the AEW World Tag Team titles. Wouldn't mind that being the all-out tag team title match either. So there's a bunch of options. And that's the great part about the AEW Tag Team division. You can name about three to four to five teams and you won't be wrong. And they would be a good option to beat Jurassic Express. I think Jurassic Express has had a run that has been about 
shutting down the naysayers, shutting down the haters yes. to them and proving them wrong. They have come out and they've had awesome matches, whether it was at Double or Nothing against Swerve in Our Glory and Team Taz, whether it was at Revolution against Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, whether it was one of their TV matches against like the Acclaimed or Dark Order. They have delivered some really good matches and some great matches. And I think that more people need to put respect Respect on their names and respect the run that they have gone on with the AEW World Tag Team titles. But yeah, I'm like most of you. I'd rather it be a Blackpool Combat Club or I'd rather it be a FTR. And I wouldn't even mind the Young Bucks getting a transitional run to one of those other teams. I, but. I was going to say, if the Young Bucks are the ones to win it, because I think it would make sense for them to be the first two time AEW Tag Team Champions, right? Like, I think that would make a ton of sense. They need to drop it almost immediately. And I'm thinking maybe within a couple of weeks, if not a week, like we don't really get, unless it's the TNT championship, we really don't get those quick transitional runs in, in AEW. And the same goes for, it's almost a disservice to the rest of the tag team to have every tag team champion have like a 150 plus day run as the tag team chance, because that division is so good. And you've got a lot of guys who are basically parked and are doing 10 man tag team matches and this, that, and the other thing. But a lot of teams to AEW's credit, make it work. Like the acclaimed and the ass boys together is a, is a tandem that I never knew that I needed until they were scissoring each other on television. Like it just, it just works. So I think I would have to go with either the young bucks or FTR. I hate to agree with you. Cause I'd love to sit here and say, put the titles on Hookhausen, but that doesn't make any damn sense. Blackpool combat club doesn't make any sense right now at this moment. I think red dragon, I'm still surprised red dragon wasn't the ones that actually beat him in the first damn place, but you have all of these great teams. Um, if they went with FTR or they went with the Young Bucks first and then straight to FTR, I wouldn't be mad in either way, but I think it has to be one of those uh, two teams. And last but not least, to close out the show here, which is uh, 49 minutes past our half-hour mark, thank you for everybody uh, who is uh, listening uh, or watching here on the YouTube channel or listening wherever the podcast is available, everywhere, including the iHeartRadio app. Thank you so much. Um, our boy, our old friend, Wyndham Rotunda. If you don't know who that is, I'm talking about Bray Wyatt. Husky Harris. Yeah, I think those are the only the fiend, whatever he's had. He goes by many names. Boy started tweeting again. And there's one guy who knows how to get the IWC talking with a few tweets. It's him. But these weren't vague tweets that could mean anything. He's now starting about a talking about a potential an imminent return to professional wrestling. He says the. Everything is behind him now. He's ready to kind of move forward. That's what I've been reading into this. So sooner rather than later, Wyndham Rotunda is going to make his return to professional wrestling. SP3, where do you think the best fit for him is when he does make that return? It's still in WWE. At the end of the day, what he does well is storytelling, being unique in a in a very formulated uh, atmosphere and just being this eccentric character. 
And he has excelled at that in WWE, whether WWE has paid off on it or followed up on it has always been the question. It hasn't been what Wyndham Rotunda has been able to deliver. He's always delivered the goods. It's all about WWE following up on it. But what Wyndham does well, that's what WWE needs. So it's still it's still the best fit for him. See, I thought this was going to be a hot take. I thought I was going to have, I thought you were going to come at me with, you know, a new Japan or an impact or he could fit well feuding with the house of black and all of those might be good options for him as well. But I still think the best money that he's going to get, which I know is important to him. I still think the best fit for him. And I think the, the place that needs him the most is WWE. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. And I know I have been riding the Cody Rhodes is the one that needs to beat uh, beat Roman Reigns train for a long ass time. But maybe you could still push that off a little bit. I think it would be very full circle. I think it would be very poetic for Roman Reigns to retain the WWE Universal Championship at SummerSlam a full two years after he made his return after the, the, the pandemic hiatus that he took. And then the lights go out, cell phones come out, then there's Bray Wyatt. Whatever incarnation he wants to be, whether it's the Fiend, whether it's the old Bray Wyatt, whether it's something new, shows up in the middle of the ring and leaves Roman Reigns laying, just like Roman Reigns did to Bray Wyatt after he beat Braun Strowman for the WWE Championship at uh, SummerSlam two years ago, almost three years ago now at this point. like I think that is that would be the poetic return. But again, it all comes back to Vince McMahon, right? It's Vince McMahon and and Bray Wyatt were were button heads. They weren't seeing clearly on creative. Uh, you know, Vince has always been uh, at least you know reported backstage has always been hard on on Bray's uh, appearance with with weight issues. And this is something that Bray has alluded to in his own uh, promos and the, the the Muscle Man dance and all this stuff. But there is a certain entertainment aspect that wwe which again they're the e right sports entertainment that has been lacking since bray has been gone it just has been they tried their best to transfer it over to alexa bliss but it just even though that that lily doll sells right which is why she still has it it still hasn't translated very well over to her there were a lot of people who who turned against alexa for stealing bray's character which is something that WWE that's not her fault, right? This is what WWE booked her to do. And to her credit, she did the best that she could with it, but they have gone away from that evil side of Alexa bliss. I'm hoping and I'm praying that these two sides have, have calmed down. It's been what almost a year now to this point that since, since Bray has been gone, they have not been able to replace his level of star power. You can argue about his matches. You can argue about his performances. You can argue about how much of a, uh, a star that he really is in professional wrestling. That man made money for WWE off merchandising alone. And I know, I know that WWE is missing out on that right now. This seems like a perfect fit. If, if Vince and Bray can just kind of come together on some kind of agreement creatively moving forward. He may not be getting the kind of money that he was getting when he was let go, but I still think he'd get better money than what he's getting at AEW. Or maybe I'm wrong because as MJF alluded to, if you're an ex WWE guy, you're going to make five times as much as what he's getting. Mark Henry makes four times as much as him to say it's time for the main event once a week. I'm sure he's coaching and doing other stuff, but I mean, damn, I love Mark Henry, but 
damn. Shit. We appreciate you guys listening to all 54 minutes of this half hour podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, again, my conversation with Damian Priest that will drop tomorrow. Our Hell in a Cell preview show uh, with Connor Casey of comicbook.com. That will drop tomorrow. Myself and Jeremy Bennett will be doing our in the house preview show on Saturday. And then SP3 and myself will be back 2.15 live with you on Monday to do our Hell in a Cell recap show. So many good reasons to subscribe here to Believe in Pro Wrestling. So please pound that thumbs up button pound that subscribe button turn the notifications on we love you enjoy the rest of your thursday we'll talk to you tomorrow lnso review show preview show we'll talk to you in the next few days believe in pro wrestling podcast brought to you by bet online for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.